Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning again, and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, the pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. We're at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi, and we'd invite you to come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can go to our website at macedonia-pbc.org. And also on behalf of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and their pastor, Joe Nettles, we'd invite you to visit them if you're in the Caledonia area area on Sunday mornings also at 10.30 a.m. And then we also have a worship service on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi, beginning on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And if you're on Facebook, you can go to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, like their Facebook page, and you can tune into live streams there. We'd also invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can find churches closer to you. And also be sure and download Grace Alone radio app, gracealoneradio.net, to listen to 24-7 Primitive Baptist content, sermons, singing, scripture reading, and very beneficial content for you. This morning, we'd like to discuss prayer and how we ought to be praying unto God and some important lessons on prayer. So we hope that you can stay with us here on the program, and we'll bring that message to you this morning right after this song. So please stay tuned here today.
this morning on the program, we'd like to make our way back to the model prayer and to begin to consider that. We'll be in Matthew chapter 6, but we'd just like to remind you our introductory thoughts from Luke chapter 11 as the apostles requested Jesus to teach them to pray. It came to pass that as he was praying, as Jesus was praying, in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also had taught his disciples. Now, his disciples had actually already heard Jesus preach this on the Sermon on the Mount. But as is always the case with us, they didn't remember it in the moment. So he reminded them at a later date here in Luke chapter 11, he reminded them the manner in which they ought to pray. So we want to learn together. Jesus taught them how to pray, which is the model prayer, the model disciples prayer that we want to consider this morning. And if he taught them that as they requested Jesus to teach them, then we want to learn with them and learn learn from the Word of God how we can be more devoted and fervent to God in our prayers. So in Matthew chapter 6, we considered private, closet, secret devotion to God. We don't pray with the intention of getting the praise and the applause of men. Instead, we pray to commune with God and to feel His presence and to hear Him speaking to us through His Word and through the burdens of our heart in prayer. So now, we make our way to verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this passage of scripture is oftentimes referred to in Christianity as the Lord's Prayer. But as you can see from the text, this is not the Lord's Prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. He's telling the disciples, this is how you're supposed to pray. So this is the disciples' prayer. He gave the disciples a model prayer for how they're supposed to pray. So we could call this the model prayer, the disciples' prayer, but this is the manner in which we are supposed to pray. You'll notice in this model prayer that there are seven distinct statements that Jesus made as the pattern through which we were supposed to pray. Now, I want to notice in contrast to the long flowing prayers that first century Jews were used to hearing the Pharisees pray in public in these long, dramatic, long flowing prayers. He says, this is how you're supposed to pray. And this is a framework. Okay. So certainly we need to be more deep in prayer than this, as we're told to pray without ceasing in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 17 and Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 18, to pray always with all prayer and supplication. We need to be in continual communication with God as we pray. So that doesn't mean that we limit what we pray to only this. Instead, this gives us a pattern. It gives us a model. It gives us a framework by which we are supposed to approach God. But I want to first notice the distinction between these long flowing, long winded prayers of the Pharisees that first century Jews were used to, and then the concise nature with which Jesus said that you were supposed to pray. This model disciples prayer only has 65 words in it, and you can easily 
easily say it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> so look at the contrast between these long, dramatic, flowing prayers that the Pharisees prayed in public. And he says, you disciples, you Christians, you pray in about 30 seconds. <laughs> you pray in 65 words. Now, again, we need to have more depth to our prayers than just that. But he's saying you can be much more concise than what you're used to hearing these Pharisees pray. I think some of the most fervent prayers that have ever been prayed <laughs> is Peter when he was sinking after he'd been walking on the water. And he said, Lord, save me right? That's just three words, quick. And there was some fervency in those prayers, wasn't there? So we don't think that we have to pray a certain amount of time. It's interesting, our prayers and some of the most fervent prayers that you may pray are very concise in nature. So there's not a word count to effectual fervent prayer. And certainly we're not required to have long flowing prayers like these first century Jews were used to listening to the Pharisees pray in that way. So in this very concise model prayer that only has 65 words total in it, we see seven distinct statements. Number one, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Number two, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Number three, give us this day our daily bread. Four, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Number five, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Number six, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then number seven, amen. And as you well know, if you've studied the Bible for very long, you know the number seven is the number of completion and perfection in the Word of God. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us that we have these seven distinct statements in the perfect model prayer, right? So let's notice a few things about these statements first of all. We'll speak this morning of the model prayer in general, and then as we continue, we will look at each of these seven statements in particular. First of all, we see the proper posture and the proper priority as we approach God in prayer. We approach God with praise and exalting God's name. You know, my prayers usually start out with, dear Lord, this is what I need today. Well, guess what? You don't get around to asking for your daily bread until the third of these points. You want to know what you are to pray for before you pray for your daily bread? You want to know what you're supposed to pray for before you ask for personal forgiveness? You want to know what you're supposed to pray for before you ask for providential deliverance from temptation and evil? You want to know what you're supposed to pray for before all these personal requests? You approach God not with, this is what I need today, Lord. Now you get around to that, but that's not the proper posture. That's not appropriate priority, a presentation in prayer. No, we approach God by praising his name. And that's what we're made to do, isn't it? We're made for the glory of God. God called out a church and he chose out a people for his glory. And prayer is an act of worship, isn't it? So we see the first action in prayer is worship. It's exalting the name of God. It's hallowing the name of God. And that's our duty anyway. That's our purpose in life for the children of God, for the Christian is to glorify God, and certainly that extends to our prayer life as well. We need to glorify God and praise God. So how do we approach God? We approach God with praise. We approach God with worship. We approach God with exalting His 
name. And then what do we pray for? We pray for his kingdom. We pray for the advancement and the growth and the strengthening of God's kingdom. We pray for the ministry and men to be raised up to preach the gospel. We pray for the strengthening of our local church. We pray for the strengthening for our sister churches in our local area. We pray for the strengthening of the kingdom of God as a whole. We pray that open doors for the gospel would be open to where new people can hear and believe the gospel and enjoy the blessings of communing at God's table and fellowshipping with the saints. We pray for the advancement and the growth and the strengthening of God's kingdom. You see, our first citizenship is being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, not a citizen of America, not a citizen of the state of Mississippi. Our first citizenship is is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and therefore, that should be at the forefront of our prayers, right? Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, still in the sixth chapter, and the 33rd verse, Jesus said, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God should be your highest priority in your life. And if the kingdom of God is your highest priority in life, then shouldn't that be reflected in our prayers, right? We praise God, we honor God in prayer, and if the kingdom of God is really first in our life, then that means we should be praying about the kingdom first. You know, the kingdom is more important than me. The kingdom of God is more important than my daily bread. The kingdom of God is more important than my daily needs. And if we let that really sink down into our soul and we really seek the kingdom of God first, then that's going to be reflected in our prayers, isn't it? Before we get around to saying, man, I'm having this problem today. Lord, please fix it. (laughs) Before we get around to our daily petitions, this is what I need. If we're truly seeking the kingdom of God first, then that priority should be reflected in our prayers. And then after we put the kingdom of God first and foremost in our prayers, then we submit to God's will to be done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we pray totally backward in that too, don't we? You see, I list off everything that I want to be done. And then at the end of it, I say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, this is everything I want. I've already decided that this is what's best for me. And then I essentially put a rubber stamp at the end of it saying, Lord, now give me what I asked for. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That is the entirely wrong posture in prayer. Instead, we approach God with praise. We approach God with worship. We put God's kingdom first, and then we say, even before I preimpose on God what his will is, I pray for God's will to be done before I ask for individual petitions. Does that make sense? You put God's will first before you ask for individual petitions. Instead, I do the exact opposite. I put my petitions first, and then I try to use thy will be done in earth as is in heaven as my rubber stamp for God to give me what I want. That's the entirely wrong posture in prayer. That's why we have to approach God first and foremost by hallowing his name, right? Exalting his name and saying, Lord, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything that you've given me. I don't deserve one single prayer that I've ever prayed to be answered. But Lord, I pray, Lord, you know what I need before I ask it. Lord, I know that your will is perfect and your will is better for me than anything that I can think up myself. So therefore, Lord, I'm gonna pray for your will to be done. And these are some things that are on my heart right now 
that maybe if it is your will, maybe you'll open this door, but we pray for God's will to be done before we ask for our individual petitions. And it's become very evident to me that in many things in this model prayer, I've got it exactly backwards and I do it exactly wrong. And I need to heed this lesson. Maybe you can learn these lessons from the Word of God as well. We don't approach God saying, this is what I want, and then try to rubber stamp it with His will. No, we pray, Lord, Your will be done, first and foremost. Your will be done, and then give me what I stand in need of. So only after we've approached God in worship, only after we've put God's kingdom first in prayer, only after we've submitted to God's will, only then do we get around to personal petitions. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you'll notice the closing points in this prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now we're back to praise. Now we're back to worship, aren't we? We begin prayer and worship. We close prayer and worship. We begin prayer by submitting to God's will, but then we actually close prayer by submitting to God's will again because the word amen means so let it be. So Lord, I've prayed for your will to be done. These are my individual petitions in the middle, but now I close prayer by again submitting to your will by saying amen. Lord, so let it be done according to your will. You'll also notice that we're told to pray in a very collective way. There are no I's and me's in this model prayer. Notice, our Father, which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. You see, my prayers are very selfish. It's all I's and me's. This is what I need today. This is what I need today. The model prayer says we're supposed to pray like a family petitioning our dad. And that's how we are supposed to approach prayer anyway, right? Our father. I want you to think about prayer like a group of children, because that's what we are, right? Praise God, we are God's children. So think about children holding hands, petitioning the help of their father. You know, I'm not praying individual prayers. And by the way, that's why we need to put the kingdom first. We don't just pray for ourselves. Actually, if we have the proper posture in our life, that should be reflected in our prayers that ourself should be last. <laughs> Joy comes from Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. <laughs> Well, that's how it should be in our prayers, right? Instead, my prayers are typically, Dear Heavenly Father, please give me this today. There is no I's or me's in this model prayer. There is nothing selfish about this prayer. Instead, we're praying as a family. We're praying collectively for other members of our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and before I get around to my personal needs, I should be praying for the needs of others anyway. Again, if I have that disposition in my life in general, I should have that disposition in my prayers. So we pray in a collective way like a family. We are children praying unto our Father, but there shouldn't be too many first-person pronouns in our prayers. Now, once we get to the end of our prayer, we can pray for some personal petitions, but generally, the model prayer is not presented in a way where we're praying selfish first-person prayers. Instead, we're praying with our family. We're praying collectively, which, by the way, that also tells us we need to pray in private. We need to approach the Lord in our closet. We've already discussed that, but also this tells us we're supposed to pray collectively with other believers, aren't we? We're 
We're supposed to pray with our individual families. We're supposed to pray with our friends. We're supposed to pray with our church. So we're not supposed to be isolated by ourselves. No, we pray collectively. We pray for others, but we also pray with others. You'll also see that this model prayer puts a priority on praying early in the morning. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, that's not a prayer that's going to do you very good when you get to the end of the day and you're going to bed after you've already had your daily bread. So if you're only praying when you go to bed, you are not following the pattern of the disciples' prayer, but you are certainly failing in your responsibility to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to have continual communication with God, to speak to Him and to be in our closet and communion with Him where He can speak to us in prayer. But if the model prayer says, give us this day our daily bread and you're only praying real quick before you go to bed at night, then you need to step up your prayer life. You need to step up your game. And I know I need to as well. Give us this day our daily bread. It says in Psalm chapter 5 and in verse 3, my voice Shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Before you turn on the news, before you read the newspaper, before you allow your mind to be bombarded with all of the mess and the distractions of this world, while your mind is fresh and while your mind is clear and you're thinking the clearest, you need to spend quiet time with devotion with just you and the Lord and reading God's word and prayer. The psalmist says, my voice shall thou hear in the morning. We can't just say quick little prayers before we go to bed. We need to be in constant communication with God. But if you want to have a good day, you need to start that day in prayer. I can tell you almost without fail, the days that I have the worst days where I let things get to me at work, sometimes I handle things fine and I just let stuff roll off my back like a duck's back, but sometimes I let things get to me and I get all bent out of shape. And I can say just about every single time that I have a bad day, I was not very devoted in my prayers and my reading of God's word that morning. I can say that almost without fail. Every time I have a bad day, very rarely was I approaching God's word and prayer with the right mindset and with the right devotion at the beginning of that day. And that's why I have a daily Bible reading in the morning and I usually try to read by myself. I try to make that my closet time. I try to make that my quiet time to focus on the Lord because I only have 15, 20, 30 minutes of that because then my day starts buzzing around like a bee and I need to keep my mind on the Lord and pray without ceasing and I do my best to do that. But I have found that it's absolutely necessary for me and I need more time than that. But that's the best I can squeeze in the majority of the time of 15 to 30 minutes of prayer and devotion and reading of God's word in my closet because the times I don't do that, the times I wake up late, the times I roll over and I hit snooze an extra couple times and I'm running late where I just read my Bible real quick because I know that's what I'm supposed to do and I just kind of skim through it and I'm not really focused in prayer. Those are the days that I have bad days, almost without fail. That's why you need to put a priority. You need to put a priority on reading God's word and spending time in prayer and devotion to God in the morning because that sets your mind right for the entire day. 
And the majority of the time when I have a bad day, it's because my mind wasn't set right. My mind wasn't set in the proper frame. It wasn't set in the proper perspective because I was either going through the motions or I didn't give myself enough time or I didn't cut off the world to truly enter into my closet to focus on the Lord when it was just me and him. So you need to put a priority on prayer and reading God's word early in the morning, and it will always set a better tone for you throughout your day. I can say that without fail. The best days I have are usually when I start them right in prayer and the reading of God's word, because that same negative event that might happen during my work day, it seems like those days I handle them very, very well and I don't get discouraged, I don't get upset, I don't get frustrated. I handle it with a good disposition and with a good attitude. But the days I don't start out right, I let it get under my skin and I let it ruin my whole day. Well, what's the real problem? The real problem is I didn't start my day right with reading God's word and with prayer. And I would encourage you to devote yourself to that, to, as it says in Psalm chapter five and in verse three, to have God hear your voice in the morning, to direct your prayer. And by the way, I usually don't have time to do this and I need to probably make a commitment to do this more, but I know many people who sing together, older couples that are retired that have a little bit more time on their hands. They sing to God, I will hear my voice. Well, God wants to hear your voice in prayer. No doubt. But wouldn't he also love to hear your voice in singing in the morning, right? My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, and in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. So read God's word, pray unto him, and sing a little bit if you have time and if you have the ability. It'll set your mind right for the entire day. So that is a very general overview of these seven bullet points, these seven points in the model prayer, and we want to dig into them in the weeks to come here on the program during my time with you. And hopefully we can learn together how to be more devoted, how to be more fervent, and how to be more sincere in our prayers and to follow Jesus' pattern to learn these lessons in the model prayer. Thank you for being with us on the program today, and may God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. 
We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the